When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning and welcome to episode 62 of the Jaguar Report podcast. My name's Gus Logue. I'm joined by my co-host, John Shipley. John, I like the color you've got on today. Yeah. Looks good on you. Um, I look like a blueberry. Both wearing like pretty much matching blue slash teal hoodies. So check that out on the YouTube. How's it going, John? Good. I look like a blueberry, but otherwise good. No. I, I, I don't want many hoodies. You told me that joke. It's uh, yeah. true either time. Yeah, well, it's the second You're time I've worn this hoodie, like, in the last 10 days. I don't own many hoodies. It's it's cold weather. Hey, you know what else uh, it is? I need it. It's too cold. It's officially cold. Someone asked that on Twitter. They were like, when is it cold weather? Because they were confused, I guess, about me whining about the cold weather on the last episode. And I'm like, I had to put on a hoodie. That means it's cold outside. And oh, yes. I'm going to be whining. One million percent. And, you know, cold. Some cold feelings this week. It's the Doug Marone revenge game. You know, the, the icy heart, Doug Marone, coming to take down the guys who try to put him down. Mm. Yeah, no. It, I, I, I'll i just be like, I hate Thursday night football. I think it, like, I'm trying to remember, like, the good Thursday night football games I've seen that aren't, like, the first game of the year. And off the top of my head, it's like, God, I can't even think if I can tell you anything right now. Like, it just, it doesn't really happen. Of, like, a good Thursday night football game? Yeah. I feel like the Rams had one or two really good ones in their heyday, like maybe one against the uh, Warner was there. The season opener last year was Thursday Night Football, I think. It was like yeah, that's... Games. that was good. And then I think Rams-Vikings a couple years ago when it was like 50-50, to 50, that might have been Thursday night. But those are the only two games I can think of. I'm with you. Doesn't doesn't count if it's a season opener. Yeah. Asterisk. Asterisk. Okay. But um, I'm, I'm doing good otherwise. Episode 62, man. <laughs> wow. Look at us. <laughs> Honestly, as a as a fan, I like Thursday night football just because it's like something on the television to watch. Um, but like in terms of pretty much everything else, it's terrible. Like if you ask any coach or any player, like it's yeah, it's n- no gouda. Yeah, no, like literally every player that like talked at the podium this week made some kind of comment about why playing on Thursday night basically sucks. <laughs> it was like an NFL game is so intense. Like, players don't start feeling semi-normal by NFL player standards until around Thursday. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's, it's, and my teams don't even really practice. Like, they, they they have really one day out on the field, and it's not even, like, really, like, a full practice. It, it's, it's, it's a dumb concept. So, I don't know. Short week, third game in, what, like 11, 12 days, something like that. It's, mm-hmm. it's a big one. So, I mean – we can start right with the offense. I think the, you know, the elephant wearing a knee brace in the room is Trevor Lawrence. Uh, you know, what are your, I guess, early thoughts on one? Does he play? And just your guess, reading the tea leaves and everything. And two, how much is he impacted if he does play? And he's obviously, you know, not hundred percent. I think he does play, which is just based on me reading the tea leaves. I'm prepared to be wrong, but 
one of the big things I keep coming back to is like Joe Burrow's injury with his calf and how like he's clearly not 100%, like still isn't 100%, but definitely wasn't at the start of the season. But he was going out there anyway. And I feel like that's just like not a Bengals thing. That's just an NFL thing where it's like pretty much like almost every player I feel like is probably playing hurt to some extent. Uh, So like you got to be able to like just like get out there and contribute wins to your team. If like a team like the Bengals with their star quarterback is doing it, then like I think that like you you would see Lawrence like try to tough through it and get a win even on a short week. Uh, He also like said at the podium yesterday about like how he's like competitive and like is kind of like proud of the fact that he hasn't missed an NFL game in his career yet. And like, he definitely wants to be out there. Um, but then the, the other thing I come back to is what happened last year after the Lions game. And he had kind of a gruesome looking injury. I think it was technically only a toe injury, but it didn't look very good as it happened. I, I, I was ready to pounce on the use of gruesome there. <laughs> I was like, I was like a piranha the chump. I, I, was, I was ready to go at it. So after that injury, uh, it was like kind of a similar story where like, there wasn't a lot of information from Peterson or the team in general about like whether or not Lawrence was going to suit up for the following game. And then not only did he suit up, but he had, that was the Cowboys game was the next game, right? Where he threw, I think 300 yards and four touchdowns. Tennessee game. Oh, it was a Tennessee game. Well, yeah. either game. way, still a really good game for Lawrence. Well, probably his most like productive game as a NFL quarterback, you know, it seems like the thing with Lawrence, like you never see him like, Rarely see him have like the Justin Herbert and Josh Allen, like Matt Stafford, like stat lines, like 360 yards, four touchdowns. Like he did it that game. And yeah, it was definitely, you know, coming off an injury. My, I'm with you. I, I think he's going to play too. I, so they added Nathan Work today, signed him to the active roster. Not our standard practice squad elevation, but signed him to the roster, which to me, so if they like added him from the practice squad, it, they could only do it, you know two or three times. So sign him now, you know, that you can basically ensure that if anything happens again down the road, you can do the same thing. I personally think they're doing that to kind of do the three quarterback rule. You do see Lawrence play, but you also see Rourke active, which, you know, the rule is he doesn't count toward their active game day, you know, roster. So they don't have to. So like normally in the past, if you had a third quarterback, you have to sit like an extra offensive lineman or defense lineman or something, which is, Acidon said, nobody's carrying three quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. If you're on the active roster now, you know, they can do that. But he can only play if the first and second quarterback get injured. So, I mean, it just kind of prevents them from being in a, you know, what if what happened to San Francisco last year happens to them. Lawrence gets, you know, hurt early in the game, and then something wild happens to C.J. Beathard. I mean, I think Christian Kirk played quarterback in the past. I'm I'm, I'm not sure. Logan Cook, maybe he'd be the emergency. I'd, honestly, Logan Cook in a Doug Peterson offense, I'd kind of want to see. That would be a fun question. Who would be the next best Jaguar at quarterback? ETN had a pretty good wildcat snap last week. <laughs> Do you want to see uh, sounds of the game? No, I haven't yet. Yeah, he, he After, he's like telling Christian Kirk, he's like, I'm going to throw one to you next time I'm there. And then uh, the mic'd up Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> He doesn't say anything during the play, but they're just zooming in on him in the corner when he's that receiver and him just running at him. It's <laughs> it's good stuff. It's good stuff. That release, man. He he he, he gets off the line faster than Quinn Johnston. He, I was he, like looking at like through pictures on like from Getty or, or USA Today to like put into a photo for a Big Cat article, and there was I looked up Trevor Lawrence, 
and there was one of him like sprinting like he was running around i was so confused until i like remembered that he, he actually was lined up outside on that one play. but i was like this doesn't look anything like what a picture of a quarterback during a game should be <laughs> yeah not at all and so i'm with you i think he's gonna play too maybe you know we're wrong but I, literally nothing to me has so far indicated that he won't play mm-hmm. but i do think in the case that he does play one you're gonna see a lot of basically their game plan in week four against the falcons when he was getting the ball post snap and immediately delivering it not many deep shots at all other than on extended plays i think that's more or less like the kind of offense you'd see like a lot of targets under 10 air yards, you know, base more or less, maybe a Gardner Minshew offense. You probably still do some like Mac. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, hey, he's in, uh, an injured Trevor Lawrence can do what Gardner Minshew does, is, is, is the take there. But you can do a I, lot more, is all I'm saying. Obviously, obviously, but okay. the type of offense, I, okay. I can still do him, okay. I could still see him doing something. I just thought we were done with Gardner talk, and then I don't know, you caught me off guard. It's recent, recent. Okay, I, who, who's in the? Okay, Brock Purdy off. No, it's it's fair. I'm just yeah. You a Brock Purdy offense? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah a good yeah, one. Yeah, fair, where it'll be like a lot of like definitely a big Travis Etienne game. Like they're gonna like hope that he can carry the team as much as possible for sure. And then off of that, like making everything an extension of Etienne or an extension of the run game. With I'm sure there'll be plenty of RPOs, plenty of like screens outside. Uh, whatever like play action probably won't be a lot of play action this week just because it requires like a lot of mobility from the quarterback so if you do see it maybe it's just like play action from shotgun um and so like so that lawrence is kind of like using his legs a little bit less but i definitely think that it'll be one of those games where lawrence's time to throw is like pretty much at or under two seconds on every drop back uh so it'll be difficult to face against the saints because they run a bunch of press man coverage uh where like they're just trying to disrupt the timing of like routes and concepts and uh like it will just be like a real battle to see who can win the first two seconds of every play for this thursday night game it's probably not that st- different like stylistically from the defense they played in week four again when they played the falcons you know like a, a yeah. lot of similar traits with rod nielsen the former saints defensive assistant i like you look at the saints defense and like you said obviously starts with a lot of press coverage man coverage that instantly like you know they kind of said before most time when they played man press teams like christian kirk is going to be the guy to get the ball to i think it's going to be a big kirk and ingram week in the passing game and i think like you said etn it wouldn't surprise me if etn set a career high and carries this week Mm -hmm. maybe this is the week you try to give tank like an extended, you know, kind of workload in the running game. Right. But I, I, I definitely look at the Saints defense and what the Jags offense does well. I mean, the, the Saints defense, for they're, they're probably like a top 10 pass defense, and that's in part due to they have a really good coverage linebacker in Demario Davis. Marshawn Lattimore is fantastic, and they have a couple of really solid pass rushers, Curtis Granderson, Cameron Jordan, obviously. But the run defense is not very good. You know, it's it's bottom like quartile and you know of anything. You know, really success rate, rushing EPA, rushing DVOA, everything. So, do you think that 
even with the Jaguars like having probably a banged up offensive line and having their own rushing issues this year, do you think that they are equipped to be that kind of team that kind of relies on its running game against a weak running defense, or or do they still have to kind of show that they can be that kind of offense? I think they'll be like uh, good enough this week specifically. I mean. If they had, like, a fully healthy quarterback, then I think I would be like, yeah, they have the type of running game, even with the injuries up front, where they could, like, ice the game if slash when the Jaguars got out to a lead. Uh, So that'll be a lot easier said than done with Lawrence injured. Uh, Yeah, I mean, like, just last week, Houston ran all over the Saints with, like, your guy, Damian Pierce, and Devin Singletary. So I definitely think that. I, I was surprised when you said they were like bottom 10 in pretty much every metric. I thought they were more like average in every metric or just would have been my guess. Um, so I definitely think that like you might be able to see more success inside the tackles. Cause I feel like for the saints run defense, like they're kind of built on having like two huge like defensive ends and then like Demario Davis cleaning stuff up behind them. Uh, like their ends are Cameron Jordan who has like eight pro bowls, and then I forget who their other end is. It's like Kylan Grander- Granderson. I Curtis think Granderson. Curtis Granderson. Kylan. 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 I was I was kind of close. I was kind of. No, there. you weren't even. <laughs> I, I was mixing up with Kylan Granson, the Colts tight end for oh, that reason. True. Uh, but Granderson has is like kind of a lesser known name, but he's been really good across Cameron Jordan this year. So I think like. Those are like the three kind of like pillars of their run defense, at least, is like the two bookend ends and then Demario Davis in the middle. So if they're able to take advantage of like beating New Orleans's defensive tackles in the middle, then I could see ETN uh, actually having decent efficiency to go with like the great volume he's had so far this year. I, I think this could be a week you see again a lot of 12 and 13 personnel. You saw it a lot last mm-hmm. week with Brendan Strange and Luke Farrell both playing, you know about half of the offensive snaps. They've ran the most 13 personnel in the NFL the last two weeks. And they have, you know, 17 carries for 70 yards and a touchdown on 13 personnel. I think they've had 13 personnel in like 20 plays and they've ran it 17 times. So like they're basically like trying to establish that and running it down team strips, but they're also showing glimpses of setting up the play action game off them. Like Britton Strange, you know, his catch on the screen last week was a perfect example of it. You know, you can kind of tell defenses like literally aren't looking at him as a receiving target yet because he's been used so extensively in the running game. So I I think this is a week that you see a lot of that, you know, the tight ends getting involved a lot, both in the running game and passing game. And like we said, I think Christian Kirk, Alante Taylor is going to be the guy Kirk is drawing most of the game. Mm -hmm. Taylor's always been like a solid player in the NFL. But I feel like he was better as an outside cornerback. Yeah, it really seems like kind of the weak link in the Saints defense right now is kind of that slot position. So I I, I think everything's pointing to Kirk having a big week, but you also see the tight ends included a good bit. And I also think it's going to be interesting to watch the offensive line this week. You know, it's up in the air. Obviously, Brandon Sheriff's going to play. He's the kind of guy, like, even if, like, it seems like most other people wouldn't play. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if he plays this week. Yeah, I think you could like chop off his arm, and I'd be like, "Yeah, he's probably going to be questionable." <laughs> yeah, well, he, he he's a machine, dude. So, but overall, the Jaguars, where they've been good on the offensive line so far, has been on the edges. You know, like Anton's coming off 
a game where he allowed zero pressures. He has one of the lowest pressure percentage of any right tackle in the NFL this year. I think he is like top five in that metric. It, he's been incredibly unlucky where it's like a quarter of his pressures have been sacks where everybody else it's like the average is like 6% or something like that. So, mm-hmm. but, and then Cam Robinson, since he's returned only two pressures allowed and one of the best pressure rates among left tackles over the last two weeks. And like, if you put up his pressure rate the last two weeks over like tackles during the season, I'm pretty sure he's top five as well. So they, they they've gotten crazy efficient play on the edges outside of like, a week or two here or there, and it seems like their issues have been more inside. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, you had a tweet today that was like the Jags have three starting caliber right or starting caliber offensive tackles for the second year in a row, which is crazy just based on what the state of the position is for any other team. Like most teams are lucky to have one pretty solid tackle. Uh, so yeah, it would definitely be like strength on strength and then weakness on weakness of like outside versus inside trench play on Thursday. Uh, to back up your Kirk point, like I agree that like it's going to be or it needs to be or whatever a big Kirk week, partly because of his matchup against Alante Taylor, who's like kind of the weak link among the Saints cornerbacks, but also just because I think Calvin Ridley could have a pretty tough matchup against Marshawn Lattimore. And Lattimore is unlikely to necessarily like shadow him across the formation or anything like that, but – like Ridley's two worst games were two catch performances against Legarius Legarius Sneed, thank you, of the Chiefs in week two, and then AJ Terrell of the Falcons in week four. Um, held two catches against both of those, like just really good physical shutdown perimeter corners. And so, again, like I don't think it's going to be like Ridley versus Lattimore every single rep, but for the reps they do match up, like I'll probably give the benefit benefit of the doubt to Lattimore winning most of those. So Ridley faces a little bit of a tough test. Zay Jones isn't going to go again this week. So I definitely think uh, Christian Kirk needs to like have a big game along with Travis Etienne. Yeah, no, I'm a hundred percent with you. It, it, it's definitely a week. I wouldn't be surprised if Ridley doesn't really put up like it just, it's not, he was really good against press in Atlanta, but it just seems like right now, that's still part of his game that is still kind of coming back for him, you know? Yeah, he did. He had some really good reps um, two weeks ago, I'm pretty sure, where it was like he just kind of like dusted the guys against press coverage. But like it's kind of like give or take. And I feel like when you see like those like tough individual matchups, like Sneed or Terrell or Lattimore, like he'll have a little bit more difficulty. But like if he's going like press against like the, those Colts corners, even though he didn't actually do a ton last week, like they would not have been able to press him. So just to cover our bases, say CJ Beathard did play. Okay. Get, set me an over under on yards, passing yards. I mean, 225. 225. You think that's low or high? I two hundred twenty-five. <laughs> give me, give me a second, because that 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 feels high. Okay, that yeah. Like Trevor's that Trevor's that Trevor is averaging two thirty-nine. Ooh. Yeah. I'll give you one sixty. <laughs> uh, I, I guess I'll take over one sixty, but oh, minus or under two twenty-five. 
with a Tim Jones 40-yard touchdown. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That would be like definitely like the thing I'm watching for if Beathard does go is like that Tim, Tim, Tim Jones hookup and then maybe like Brenton Strange and even Elijah Cooks if he manages to get yeah. enough snaps. Because like I got asked earlier this week, like, you know, by a Saints person helping preview the game, like describe Beathard. And I think the big thing is like, out of all, obviously he's a backup quarterback, so he has some deficiencies in this game. But if there's anywhere, like he's probably plus. Like he can push the ball downfield, you know. Like they, yeah. it, it, literally every time he's like played, like he's been able to complete, you know, vertical shots. So I definitely think that in any kind of scenario where he was playing, that they would still try a shot here and there. But I, I think we're both kind of walking the same direction in terms of we thinking Trevor plays. Yeah, to go back on your rookie point, like. Some people might have taken that, like, as, oh, like, Rorker is in, Lawrence is out. But, like, I, I think, like, you said it with the whole Niners situation. Like, they're just making sure that doesn't happen. I think, like, even if Lawrence – even if the team was 100% sure Lawrence was playing, they would still bring up Rorke. So, I'm not, like, putting a bunch into that transaction. Uh, yeah. I feel like the offense would be, like, pretty much the exact same thing with Beathard, honestly. If he played, it would just be that, like – Obviously, it wouldn't look as good because you'd see a lot less, like, aggressive and talented throws. Like, Trevor would try to rip, like, a whole shot here and there or, like, hit a ball between two players where, like, Beathard wouldn't or at least wouldn't try to be able to uh, and takes, like, a lot more check down. So, I don't even think, like, the game plan will change that much based on the quarterback playing. It's just the execution of the plays that would change. You made a lot of really astute points, but I'm going to hyperfixate on one of them. What what is the name of the Jaguars Canadian League football quarterback? Uh, Rorky. <laughs> Sounds like you're saying like 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 the dog like Yorkie. Rourke. Rourke. Yeah, there you go. Rourke. Yeah, I guess I'm. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm sitting here like the the hell is he talking? The <laughs> I'm like, who the hell is he talking about? <laughs> is, is that the cornerback they saw? <laughs> yeah, I got. Yeah, yeah I got. Improve my pronunciation. I got hey, a media guy, I guess. I'm throwing stones at a glass house. I can't. I can't. <laughs> I, I mispronounce a word every every other probably sentence. Some of it my occupational therapy background. Some of it my uh, just completely with. But on that note, you got anything else for us on the offense? No, I'm good. All right, we're gonna break. Be right back to cover the defense. I guess Mike Caldwell, Pete Carmichael, <laughs> yep. steel cage match. Who's coming out? Uh, I gotta give it to my guy Pete. <laughs> yeah, your guy. I think Pete's coming out. <laughs> yeah, your guy Pete Carmichael beat Mike Caldwell in a no. Okay, okay. I, 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 I think the Jags are about to do dangerous things to <laughs> Pete Carmichael's offense, man. I, yeah, I. He likes. As somebody who, like, just started diving into the Saints this week, like, I've been seeing stuff. Like, I, I follow some awesome fans on Saints Twitter. Uh, the guys from the Saints Twitter podcast, <laughs> Adam and Ryan, they're, they're dope. I s- know pretty well the Saints fan base is disdain for Pete Carmichael, but I haven't, like, looked at their offense at all until this week. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, the most probably, like, basic, like, lineup and just, like <laughs> – like Madden offense, like ever, you know, like they were among the lowest teams in play action, among the lowest teams in motion. They actually had their highest rate of motion in these last two weeks, and that was after 
they more or less got bullied by their own local media into, okay, why don't we do motion? And his explanation was like, yeah, motion's pretty good. Maybe we should do yeah, more. <laughs> <laughs> so just, you know, your general impression of the Saints offense. I mean, how how dangerous, like, are they? Like, they, they are basically – a worse version of like the Jaguars offense in terms of EPA and stuff. Like the Jaguars obviously suffered from those first like two or three weeks pretty badly, but they're like just below them and like all the graphs and everything. I mean, what, what are your impressions of them? Cause I see them. I see Chris Olave, really obviously great player, blue chip player. Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara are, are still serviceable. I think mm-hmm. Kamara probably more so, but not what they once were. Right. And Derek Carr is the, He's a guppy. He's a he is gupped. He's gupped out. That that that's at least my impression. I, I don't think it's an offense that should scare like a team like the Jaguars. I think they played a better offense in week three, honestly. Yeah, I think I had a kind of a similar reaction to you where like on paper it looks like it should be somewhat of a scary offense just based on the skill players between Kamara, Thomas, Olave, and then Rashid Shahid is a really good uh special teams returner, and then, like, I, I mean, he's basically a go-ball merchant, but he's pretty good at it. He's And he is just, like, a role player, so it's not like he's a full-time wide receiver who's a go-merchant, so you can actually respect him for it. Uh, but it's, like, it's a explosive offense on paper, but just uh, not when you actually see it on the field. Like, we were talking about those, like, low motion rates and play action rates, and, like, Derek Carr is just still Derek Carr. Uh, I looked up some stats, and this year he ranks a respectable eighth in completion percentage over expected, but he just has a five to three touchdown to interception ratio, and he's no better than 19th in yards per pass attempt, yards per game, and passer rating. So he's been pretty bleh other than being somewhat accurate, which has been kind of like always the Derek Carr story. So I think like maybe some people were thinking like, oh, maybe there would be like, we'll see a different Derek Carr than we saw in Las Vegas slash Oakland now that he's on a different franchise with some different weapons. But like he's still like one of the better game managers in the league, but has never really shown like the ability to truly elevate an offense on his own. So I'm with you that like I think like the offense is just so bland that the Jaguars have a good chance to kind of take advantage of that dullness. Yeah, I'm with you. So, like, this isn't going to be, you know, when you watch offenses like the Colts offense last week and the Falcons offense in week four with basically like a milquetoast quarterback, like an average kind of bled quarterback, like normally those offenses sometimes will still attack the intermediate part of the field a lot, but Carr doesn't. Like, basically everything is outside, you know, on the boundary, outside the numbers on the perimeter, whether that's going deep or whether it's, you know, 10-yard hitches or even, you know, close to the line of scrimmage. So, I think you're going to have a lot of, like, Jaguars guys playing on an island. And that, to me, is probably the only thing about this matchup where I'm kind of curious about because I think Darius – I know Darius Williams can hang with a guy like Chris Olave. You know, he's always mm-hmm. he's playing out of his mind right now. And it's not just the interceptions. Like, his – Coverage has been, you know, fantastic. Yeah. But on the other side, you know, pretty obvious Tyson Campbell's not going to play. It's going to be Monteric Brown. I'd imagine they call up Tavon Campbell to be active and then maybe even Eric Hallett too, 
just to kind of give themselves some bodies at the position. But it's probably going to be Buster Brown on the other side. And it's going to be a lot of really playing on an island because that's what the Saints offense does. I I think Shahid, anytime he's in the game, I think they're going to try to get him isolated with Brown. Derek Carr has completed 10 deep passes this year on like 30-something attempts, and six of them have gone to Shahid. <laughs> His only two touchdowns have gone to Shahid. He's like 4-22 on deep passes that every other player on the Saints roster. So I think what the Saints are going to try to do is, you know, generate explosive plays against Buster Brown, especially with Shahid. And I think that's the biggest thing that the Jaguars have to look out for this week. And you'd say, you know, maybe the way to stop that with is with, you know, four-man pressures. That's where I'm kind of curious to see how this game goes because this is a case of the Jaguars are playing a severely banged-up offensive line, an offensive line that wasn't playing well when it was healthy, but it's a severely banged-up unit. Uh, James Hurst is out. I, I believe Ryan uh, – I'm not even going to try to the, – the really good – yeah, <laughs> the really good right tackle is also probably going to be out. So it is going to be a, a lot of moving pieces there. The last time we saw the Jaguars against like a bad offensive line with a bunch of backups in was week three. And it was one of their worst performances in terms of a pressure rate, you know, this season, if not the worst. I think Josh Allen and Devin Lloyd were the only guys to record multiple pressures that game. And Devin Lloyd's are obviously on blitzes. I'm interested to see if the defensive line can take advantage of a bad offensive line this week. Because that to me will tell you where they're at entering the trade deadline. I, I think this is a big game in terms of really seeing what you need to add there. Yeah, I I was really concerned about the Tyson Campbell injury at first, just because, like, it's going to be Monteric Brown out there, like, A, on a little bit of an island, the way the Jags play defense uh, with a lot of, like, one-high coverages and just having their corners play a lot of island ball. But also, like, with the skill players that the Saints have, like, they've got a, a good amount of speed between Shahid and Olave and then height with Michael Thomas. So uh, I was, like, pretty concerned at first, and that plus, like, the Lawrence injury was enough for me to be like, okay, like, short week on the road, like, this is doesn't seem very good for the Jaguars. But as you mentioned, like, the Saints offensive line is probably, like, the biggest injury concern slash overall concern slash potential mismatch in this game because, uh, like, Ramchak is their best offensive lineman, and he had a concussion, so he's unlikely to clear protocols by Thursday. And then Hurst plays guard for them, but he actually played tackle last week to re- replace Trevor Penning, the 2022 first-round pick, uh, just because Penning got benched for him. But then Hurst had an ankle injury, so now Penning is going to go back into the starting lineup. So it'll be like Penning and then whoever their like third or fourth-string tackle is. Um on the other side. So definitely going to need a big performance out of Josh Allen and like the entire pass rush. But like the fact that there's injuries for the saints up front, uh, like gives me a little bit more peace of mind for the Jaguars injuries on the back end, just because like we've heard Mike Caldwell and every other defensive coach talk about how like the front end and the back end in the pass rush and the pass coverage are kind of like tied in hand in hand. Uh, so I think like, even though Monteric Brown being out there against like someone like Olave doesn't really seem great, uh, neither does Josh Allen against Trevor Penning. So I think we'll see those like injuries almost offset themselves a little bit, and then it'll just be <laughs> the slot fest we originally anticipated. 
Good point. I mean, Trevor Pitting is like bottom ten and like pressure rate and total pressure given up at half. He's he's been absolutely terrible. I'm, I so I'm rarely right when it comes to draft prospects. As much as I love the draft, I'm rarely right. But that's one like you watch his film and the Senior Bowl, and it's like other than starting fights in practice, what does he exactly do? And right, I remember having to take that. Wow, why is Trevor Penning in the top 15 of all these mock drafts and Tyler Smith is? And, and some dude like went ballistic on me. <laughs> like, you can't honestly believe that. And it 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 feels good to be like extremely on like on brand about that one. It, it was a very safe pick. Like they gave a ton of capital to draft the guy. And it's the most obvious, like it's like it was like the Marcus Davenport pick. It was the most obvious, like, what, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> selection. They gave a crazy capital for Olave too. And like Olave. I don't even know. He's Come on, like, say it. Say it. I was going to say, I don't even know if he's like worth a trade because he's like definitely a legit number one NFL wide receiver. And uh, he's very, very good. But like they gave up, they basically used two first round picks to draft him. That's a sensible take. I thought you were going to come with a little more firepower than that. Mm, no. Cool. Like, I, like Jamar Chase would have been worth two first round picks. I don't know. Justin Jefferson would have. I don't know if Chris Olave would have. Okay. Would Garrett Wilson be worth it? Mm. The fact that you're thinking about it. I would say no, but I'd rather have Wilson than Olave, if that answers your question. Wow. Okay. Okay. Uh, That's a little closer to what I wanted. Had to kind of give it out of you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to give it. Baby steps. Baby steps. Baby (laughs) steps. Okay. Baby steps. I Like, overall – like, I, I think the Jaguars shouldn't have many problems winning on the early downs. Like, to me, it's just avoiding those explosive plays that are self-inflicted. And I think as long as they do that, okay, what the hell is Gus doing? Okay. <laughs> pretty, pretty YouTube crowd. <laughs> I had to get rid of the teal-teal combo now. It was just okay, going to fair, fair enough. But I, I think as long as they limit, like, the explosive plays in the back end that so far been to communication and now I'd assume would be because you have a – really inexperienced second-year guy out there. I I think as long as they do that, defense should be able to, you know, have another strong game. My thinking is if, the, like, the Jaguars' clearest path to winning this game is forcing short fields, turnovers, that kind of thing, and taking advantage, I still think they can do that without Tyson Campbell. Yeah, I – I'm looking forward to like how both side, both coordinators for the Jaguars kind of like do a little bit more scheming up with uh, like significant injuries on both sides of the ball, like what Press Taylor does in the passing game, but like overall game plan for an ailing Trevor Lawrence that like can't move as well as he usually can, and then for Mike Caldwell, like just like helping out his secondary a little bit more than usual. But I think I'm probably like less concerned about like the job that Mike Caldwell is going to need to do to quote unquote hide Brown, just because like, again, on paper, like Olave or Shahid would be like a tough matchup for Brown. And like, you would expect plenty of like shot play opportunities from the saints, but I just feel like it's not really like in the identity of the saints or Derek Carr to actually take a lot of shot plays. Like they'll just take them like as much as like you really need to as an NFL offense to like, uh, keep the like opposing safeties not five yards away from the line of scrimmage. Um, but then also like, so it's just like not really in their identity. I feel like to take shot plays plus with the offensive line injuries. Like I don't, I think we could see a couple of deep targets, but I'm not overly concerned. Yeah. So 
you know, while we're recording, the game status report has come out. Uh, Tyson Campbell ruled out. Devon Hamilton ruled out. Zay Jones ruled out. Walker Little ruled out. Trevor Lawrence and Brandon Sheriff are both questionable. That probably means Sheriff is playing. And, like, I think we both expect Lawrence to. As for the mm-hmm. Saints, Jawan Johnson is out. Safety JT Gray is out. Tackle Landon Young is out. James Hurst mm-hmm. is out. And Ryan Ramzik is also out. And then they have yeah, that first tackle. Sorry, is the first tackle you named is like the third or fourth guy that I was trying to think of his name. So like the fact that he's also out is significant. Yeah, and then you have Demario Davis, Lonnie Johnson, Tyron Matthew, and Jamal Williams questionable. So some pretty significant injuries for both sides. But basically, the Saints' offensive line is like decimated right now. And like I said, like this is a game to me. Like if the Jaguars don't dominate in the trenches on defense, to me then that should be, okay, we need to make a move at the deadline for the front office. Like, that should be the move that, to me, if I was front office guy, would be, okay, now is the time to really do something here. I'm not sure if they would, but I think that would be, like, okay, time for, like, just from the front office perspective, if I see a game like that, I'm thinking, okay, we need to basically have some sense of urgency here. We need to make a move. I'm not sure if I what I really think happens. I, I feel like every time they've played a bad offensive line in the last couple of seasons, like they just rarely take advantage of it. But they're just the way that they're playing right now. I think that they do. I'm just not sure how many, how much pass rush it truly generates. Because I, I I could see. I mean, D- Derek Carr is not going to hang in there in <laughs> pocket all day, dude. Like, he, he's he, he's like the last quarterback who's going to be willing to do that. So mm-hmm. he's probably going to be getting the ball of his hands pretty quickly too. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Uh, I got no other notes. Nope, I'm good on defense. We're going to be right back with our predictions and some questions from the fans. All right, Gus, why don't you lead this two-step? All right, you want to do predictions first? No, let's take, let's take, let's take questions first. You want to take some questions? Right. Fans first. Well, let me get the Bird app pulled up. You still call it the Bird app. I like that. <laughs> uh, Marhism asked, can we glean anything from Trevor's performance against Atlanta? And quotes, former Saints coach now is the DC to predict this week. Uh, you kind of mentioned that earlier. Yeah, I think so. I, I think you can expect the Saints probably blitz less than the Falcons did. I think the Saints are – like they're one of the highest pressure rate teams, but I think they're on the lower end in terms of blitz rate. But I'd say probably similar in terms of the kind of different fronts they throw at you. It's just they're going to try to hit home with their front four more often. So I, I'd say probably similar. Yeah, I agree. Uh Joe Morgan asks, does the status of Sheriff and Little affect the decision to play Trevor? I, I want to say no. I I, I want to say coaches, like, think independently of that. And, like, they're playing – like, if to me, what my understanding is, if a guy's healthy, he's going to play, like, basically regardless of the context. You know, like, if he, if he can play – He's going to play. You know, teams have so much money invested. There's only so many of these games. Players are trying to hit escalators, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't think so. But I'm also like, if you're the Jaguars, like putting Trevor Lawrence out there is, is a bigger injury question than like putting Brandon Sheriff out there questionable, obviously. Like, like that's, that's the franchise right there. Right. 
Sorry, I thought I was going to sneeze and then I didn't. <laughs> uh, how long would you immobilize yourself to heal Trevor to 100% for tomorrow's game? I'm going to go with five seconds because I don't care that much enough to immobilize myself. Like maybe if the question was like, maybe if Trevor's injury was like more serious, then I'll go for more than five seconds. But yeah, how, how many, how long are you going? You went five seconds longer than, than I would, but could I mobilize you? <laughs> okay, yeah, that's that's a better way of putting it. Because, okay. like, yeah, we don't, we don't really have any incentive for, like, a I don't even need <laughs> It's either, like, he plays or he doesn't, and we still you do just take Trevor out of the equation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the new question is, how long would you immobilize me? To see Trevor Lawrence play tomorrow, I don't so, know. I don't know I'd if I would get an answer to this. So either I get I get somebody to break your legs, or I spend my Thursday night watching the CJ Beathard Jaguars. Yeah, that's it's pretty much that. You ever walk with crutches before? No. I, I'll get used to it. All right. <laughs> um. How does it feel to get balky balled every week? Haha. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> is Urban Meyer the greatest Jaguars take? Uh, wait, is Urban Meyer the greatest Jaguars talent evaluator of all time? Was that really? No, answer the balky ball question. <laughs> I said I hate it <laughs> or something like that. Or it's terrible. And then I moved on to the next one. <laughs> I don't think you need to spend a ton of time on it. <laughs> I love that somebody asked you that. <laughs> Reach out to Ryan. I, just, I, I just retweeted that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, all right. what, what was the actual question? <laughs> uh, uh, where does Urban Meyer, or is Urban Meyer the greatest Jaguars talent evaluator of all time? I. It's such a layered question. I'm going to say... Uh, Yes, other than Tony Khan for on day four of drafts. No, no. So, yeah. Dave Caldwell yeah. was a better talent evaluator than Urban Meyer. And that goes without saying. Who who did Urban Meyer? Everybody always says this, but who who did Urban Meyer take that has so impressed them? It wasn't Trevor Lawrence? Was it the guy that he didn't even want? Travis Etienne, yeah, <laughs> the guy he right. settled for, right? And Tyson, I don't, I know people love to tell themselves this lie, was not an urban pick. That was like Trent Balky loved Tyson Campbell. So who, who is this guy that he picked? That? No, no, no. Urban didn't do anything right. Dave Caldwell was better. That goes without saying. Dave that really wasn't a bad talent evaluator. Uh, Tom Coughlin, the GM and the football czar, was better. Mm. Don't think I'd say Gene Smith was better. Shaq Harris. Do you know who Shaq Harris is? Nope. All right, let's go. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. All right, Keep next question. God. Uh, at what point do the Jaguars begin to take some of the load off of ETN? Seemed like they acquired multiple running backs in the offseason to share the load, but haven't seen that to this point. When he starts struggling? Mm, yeah. When, I mean, all right. That, that, answer. That, they're not going to take him out like while he's making plays. Like they're like to to me like the guys they invested in 
were more insurance options as opposed to lightening the load. Like I really think like they like they're a team that, that's going to ride the hot hand. You know, like it's <laughs> not a two running back system. It's not like I was thinking earlier. Like why hasn't Tank Bigsby gotten like just two more touches per game just to like see what he's got and. At first, I thought it was, like, a him thing, especially after week one with, like, those two turnovers. But now I think it's, like, less about anything that the coaching staff thinks about Tank, and it's more about just, like, how highly the coaching staff thinks of ETN. So, exactly. Um, can the Jaguars afford having Josh Allen, Calvin Ridley, extend Trevor Lawrence, and sign Daniel Hunter? Can you – Danielle? Daniel? I forgot the speaking lesson. Daniel. Okay. No. Okay. Duh. Da Neil. Okay. Yeah. That's that's easy. I can get to it now. All right. Daniel Hunter. Do you <laughs> do you see a realistic landscape of the Jaguars roster after the trade trade deadline? So basically, like, would they have the money for Hunter, Allen, Ridley, Lawrence? I think so. I I, I really think the Jaguars are going to have enough money to still be aggressive next offseason, even with an expected Trevor Lawrence, you know, contract and. I so if you look at how the Chargers pay Justin Herbert, you know, one of the highest paid quarterbacks ever, but you look at his cap hits, he's really not going to be like restricting what they can do for another like two seasons, you yeah. know, this season and the next. I think you can do structure Trevor Lawrence the same way to where like you do it after the offseason, basically, you do it right before the season starts so you can still spend that money and then. He's not really constricting what you do in 2026. I, I definitely could see them having Calvin Ridley and Josh Allen on the roster and Trevor Lawrence extended and swinging for a big fish like Daniel Hunter. I, I, I could definitely see it. But I also think that there's a chance if you traded for Daniel Hunter, there's a chance that he is just a one-year rental, which honestly, depending on the compensation, that's fine. You know, like taking a swing at a Pro Bowl pass rusher in a year that you can contend, I don't think that's a bad process. Right. I was I had the same idea or point that in mind that you had, which is just that like Lawrence's contract probably won't have like really big habits until roughly twenty twenty six. So I think there's a way that they could not just trade for Hunter, but also extend him and eventually kind of figure it all out. Um, if this is win now, one trade on offense and one trade on defense that could actually get done to help the team. Mm. I'll go first. I'll say for defense, one of my hot takes is going to be. Uh, Chase Young is the name that I'm going to throw out there. I mean, we talked about uh, Danielle. Daniel. Daniel. We talked Daniel. about Daniels. <laughs> we talked about Daniel Hunter a decent amount. You brought up Carl Lawson a few podcasts ago, and I still think that's like a good name to look out for. Uh, I think Chase Young makes a lot of sense, like less so from the Jaguars' point of view, but more so from Washington's point of view just because he and Montez Sweat are both going to be unrestricted free agents this upcoming offseason. And so, like, it seems kind of unlikely that the commanders will both have the money and be willing to shell out the money for, like, two major free – or two major edge rusher contracts uh, this upcoming offseason. So, like, just from common sense, like, chances are they're not going to have Sweat or Chase Young on the team uh, next year. And so if they want to part ways with one of them, Chase makes a little, Chase Young makes a little more sense because he's played about half as many games and like has a third of the amount of snaps as Sweat does in the past like four or five years. 
um, and his like fifth year option was just turned down. So basically, I just think it makes a lot of sense for Chase Young to be moved at the trade deadline. And since like edge is probably the only position that makes sense for the Jaguars to trade for, uh, I just think it's a name to monitor. Um, and then for offense, Zeke Elliott. I'll go with Zeke because we talked a little bit about him before the offseason. I said Roshan uh, – or not Roshan Johnson, Deontay Johnson could be like a running back to look out for on the trade market. Um, he plays for the Bears. But like Zeke would just be a guy that you could like get in like trust immediately, whether it's pass protection, whether it's goal line or short yard stuff, whether it's like just being in there as a breather for ETN. Bless you. Sorry. <laughs> so like I think – like I – Highly, highly doubt that the running the Jaguars trade for anyone on offense, including running back. Uh, but like now that the Patriots don't really seem like they're going to do anything this year, like maybe see if you can take on Zeke's contract for just a million or two. I I would love to see people's reactions to Jaguars trading anything for Zeke. Elliott. I would I would pay quality money to to stream by that. I think for defense, you know, you mentioned Carl Lawson. I think that's the one that makes the most sense right now. I would see who's in the defensive line market. I think Josh Uche is another guy that makes sense. I think even Kyle Duggar would be interesting just because of the style of player that he is. I think the Jaguars like would be able to find some use for him, but there's obviously not a need. Offense is interesting. I, I, two Patriots come to mind. Kendrick Bourne at receiver because it, it's obvious that they have an issue at receiver when Zay Jones isn't playing. You know, it's basically like there's a kind of like a blank space, you know, like in the offense. Like it, it's just, it's not getting filled. And Mike Ogwinu, the Patriots mm-hmm. right guard. Yep. From guard depth? I mean, they, they have the tackles. I feel like interior depth is something that they could. Definitely use, maybe, you know, have some competition. I know he plays right guard for the Patriots, so maybe see if he can play left guard, can provide depth there because Brandon Sheriff has now dealt with two different ankle injuries and it's week seven. So I I think that those are two moves I think, at least offensively, would make sense. Uh, I like that a lot. I think Daniel Hunter is, like, the player to watch for Jags fans. <laughs> Good job. Uh, like, the team to watch for Jags fans, I would say the Patriots because – like uh, Josh Uche would definitely be like right there on the list for me in terms of like Hunter, uh, Lawson, and then Chase Young. Like he's right there in terms of like potential guys they could go after. Yeah. Especially because he is like basically just a designated pass rusher and doesn't really play a lot in early down. So like, it's not like he needs or would expect to play a ton of snaps. Um, but then like Anen- Anenwu, um, Kendrick Bourne, Kyle Duggar. I feel like there might even be like one or two other like interesting names that I've seen swirling around. Trent Brown, who they have zero need for, but Trent Balky obviously loves. Balky guy, yeah, yeah. Balky ball. Uh, yeah, I think like the Patriots is a good team to monitor. Gotcha. Uh, let's see if we have any other questions. I think this is the last one. It's where does Trevor Lawrence rank among other quarterbacks in the league? I was thinking about this the other day, and I almost like feel bad for how much we were we've been like rating quarterbacks, especially in the summer when we did that. Because I feel like like rate ranking Trevor or any other quarterback against like his peers is like almost unfair in terms of like talking about like just how good that or bad they are. Uh, like it's 
like doing rankings and stuff probably isn't the best way to go about like analyzing players. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. But now that we've been asked it, uh, I like, I don't know, I, I guess off the dome, I would say Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, I think has had a great season. Josh Allen. Josh Allen. I mean, he beat Josh Allen. So that's why I was hesitating on him. Okay, fine. We'll, no, we'll for, no, that's fair. That's for, fair. No, 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 no. Au contraire. For somebody who was really introduced to me as a data-driven person, we're going with uh, he beat Josh Allen. <laughs> Come on. Come on. They okay, both have great seasons. I, I, I'm not saying he's had a better season than Josh Allen. I mean, Josh Allen's had a better season than him, but they're they're in the same – same group pitch. I I think he's top. He's a top five quarterback this year, and I think he's a top five quarterback in the NFL. I I, yeah. I think both of us would probably agree on that. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. Like we could sit here and quibble quabble about like those specific rankings all day, but <laughs> I, I think like top five both this season and in general uh, is pretty fair, even if the stats sadly don't may not necessarily reflect it reflect it right now. Didn't Josh Dobbs beat Dak Prescott? <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's that's move fair. on. Okay, that's that fair. triggered me. That triggered me. Let's move on. All right. You want to do – Let's do our locks of the week. Hot takes of the week? Yeah. Hot takes of the week. What do you got for me, Gus? I, 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 need, I need one. I need one. I need one. My hot take is Brenton Strange records 30 I, – I, I hate how much I talk about Brenton Strange. Brenton Strange <laughs> is going to record – 30 more yards from scrimmage or more than Taysom Hill. Lock it in. Mm. Ooh, from scrimmage. I like that. Okay. Yeah. Let me make sure I write that one down because that's good. We'll have to revisit that next week. I, I, I retweeted that that one account who tweets random all 22 clips, and somebody was like, is this a Brent Strange burner account? And he's included in a lot of these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. That's that's fine. Uh, then Taysom. Uh, my whole take is that the Brian McManus is going to hit five field goals. Uh, we talked a little bit about like how good he was last week and like how just good he's been this season. And I think you kind of mentioned it earlier about how like the Jaguars need to kind of just limit turnovers and create turnovers on defense and like play pretty good ball control in this game. Like the last I saw the projected point total was 39 and like most NFL games are almost always over 40. So like that tells you how low scoring and ugly this game could get. So I think as long as like they win the turnover battle and like the defense kind of keeps doing their thing, uh, then like the offense won't really like feel the need to put a lot on Trevor's plate or just a lot on the offensive plate in general. So I see the Jags like getting pretty good field position a decent amount of times throughout the game. And then like the Jags not necessarily being in a huge like rush to reach the end zone. So I think it's gonna be a big Brandon McManus, big Brandon McManus game. I like that. I like that take. You have any you have any picks for us? I'll, I'll go ahead and give you a couple of mine. Taysom Hill over under 0.5 passing yards. I'm going under on the yards. Over on the attempts, he's going to attempt to pass oh. negative yards. That's right. I apparently. That's that's I'm being serious too. Okay, uh, 
Calvin Ridley, 54 and a half receiving yards. I'm going under. Christian Kirk, 49 and a half receiving yards. I'm going over. Way and over. Travis Etienne, 63 and a half rushing yards. I'm going over. I'm also going over Tank Bigsby, 11 and a half rushing yards. Ooh. Yeah. Do they have a Travis Etienne, like, number of carries prop? They don't have carries and catches. If they had catches, I would literally not tell Sarah and put our entire wedding fund into it and do overs on Evan Ingram catches, even if it was at like 10 and a half. But no, they well, didn't. Four and a half. I'm on, I'm looking at underdog right now. So four and a half. <laughs> had that in the first quarter. New lock of the week. <laughs> New lock, yeah, of the lock, week. lock of the week. Instead of Taysom Hill, are you sure? Yeah, that's, that's I'm still that's still a lock, but that's not the lock. <laughs> it's not the lock, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I, I just I mostly really like uh I'm with you on all of them, but especially Christian Kirk. And I would have liked an ETN over carries if like if it was available anywhere. Uh, I got one for you. Alvin Kamara, 30 and a half receiving yards. You like the over? What do you like? I think it's under for receiving yards, honestly. I do I, too. I think I like I would like the over for his catches, but his under for his yards. So like give me the taste and hell treatment for like that prop. Because I think like I don't know, like we kind of saw last week the the Patriots, the Jaguars allowed a ton of like underneath like check down passes, but they're able to rally to the ball so quickly. And like that's true. Kamara is like no longer like one of those guys like you were talking about Bijan earlier in the year where he's yeah. like just hands down one of the most dangerous ball carriers in the league. Uh, he's still very good. Just I feel like I haven't seen prime Kamara in a year or three. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. Predictions. Mm. I got Jaguars in a 17-13 slot fest. Just two pigs roll around in the mud with Kirk Street commentating on it. I I, I, I think it's going to be a sloppy game that the Jaguars win thanks to their defense and turnovers. And when you have a hurt, hurt quarterback, that's fine. You know, five and two, that's fine. I think Jaguars win 17-13. I had 17-13 Saints originally written down uh, just because I, like, I always thought that Lawrence was going to play, but I was like, man, this Tyson injury could be a pretty big. Like, we talked the entire offseason about, like, what would happen if he or Josh Allen went down with injury. And now we're about to see it. Hopefully it'll only be for one week. But then I kind of saw all the injuries that the Saints have and that sort of like balanced things out for me. And at the end of the day, I like I think an injured Lawrence is still probably better than Carr. And Carr's a little bit banged up too. Uh and like the short week is definitely tough. And playing in New Orleans with that crowd in the Superdome is definitely tough. But I just think the Jags are a better team. So I've got Jags 22, Saints 15. Ooh, okay. That's a weird one. Yeah. I got That's to 22 weird. because five McManus field goals is 15. Throwing another t- throwing one touchdown, and that's 22. You're disgusting. I don't really know how I got to 15. That just kind of came to me. You're disgusting. <laughs> Thanks. All right. So I got one. I, I got a hot a recycled hot take for you, which is that the winner of Ravens Jaguars in week 12 or whenever it is, might be like week 13. The winner of that game is going to the Super Bowl. The Ravens have a great quarterback. They are not going to be a Super Bowl team. I, I mean, 
Just watch them in high leverage situations. Like they, they, they are they are the weirdest team in the league. I'm not going to trust the Ravens like, to win a big game. Like you're not necessarily wrong, but like just like them and the Bengals and the Chiefs and the Bills just seem That's like funny. they all have like things to figure out. Yeah. And like not so like not that I necessarily have like more trust in the Ravens than any of those teams to like get it figured out. Yeah. But I think there's like definitely a path to them figuring it out because like for sure. All, been around forever and like the receivers haven't been totally healthy and like my super bowl pick that feels like 12 months ago now was the ravens so Can't like change. the ravens i still feel solid about as like a sleeper might not be the right word but a like super bowl contender that's not like a heavy favorite and then i'm just like i think the jaguars are like officially a super bowl contender even if they're at the bottom of the list like i I, I don't know if I would have said like before the season started that they yeah. like can win a Super Bowl, and I think they can win a Super Bowl. So the hot take is that the winner of Jags Ravens later in the season is going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, no, I I, I think the AFC is wide open. I I, I really do because like you said, like every, like all the top teams, like every team is like good but flawed. You know, there mm-hmm. doesn't seem like there's a complete team really. So. I'm I'm with that. That's not that's not a bad take. I like that for a recycled yeah. take. Oh yeah, it's a it's recycled though. I I was kind of just harping on an old one, so I'm gonna uh, I still got a little work on my takesmanship a little bit. I'm still hitting the lab, hitting the gym, whatever. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. I'll let you guys know directly, straight from the horse's mouth. Have not given any consideration when we're recording posters and night football. You'll find out when we do. Yeah, we'll talk. <laughs> It, we'll talk about it. Well, it, maybe it's Monday. Maybe it's not. Don't know. You'll get it when we yeah. say that's that's our kind of brand relationship. But thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. Until next time, I'm John Shipley, my co-host, friend, Gus Logue. We'll see you guys next time.